Welcome to the New Hope Church podcast, where reverence meets relevance. We are currently in a three-part series titled Shift. In this series, Dr. Benji Kelly unpacks a series of shifts that a believer has to make in becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus. We hope you enjoy the series and that it blesses you in your walk with Christ. Good morning. How you guys doing? Doing good. Good morning. Good afternoon. It's all the same when you have as many services as we have these days and as many campuses. So regardless of what time you're watching this, uh, on the other side of that camera, be it the television ministry or the internet campus, we welcome you. Amen. And we welcome our Garner community of faith. Love, love, love what God is doing over there. I spent a couple days traveling with your pastor this week. You are in great hands with Pastor Derek Mull. Uh, welcome to the Latino campus. We love what God is doing there. Welcome to the Sanford campus over there in Sanford, North Carolina, our newest campus. Um, welcome to the women. Sometimes it's hard to remember all the campuses. Welcome to the Daughters of the King at the North Carolina Correctional Institute for Women. We love you ladies and we love what God continues to do at that campus. And welcome to you guys here at Central. How's everyone doing? Doing good? Good, good, good. Hey, let's get, let's get going. But I got to get one uh, just kind of uh, word off my chest, off my heart to you on this Sunday before Thanksgiving. I tell you this often. Anytime I get a chance to tell you this, I like to tell you this. And so this is a perfect Sunday as you're celebrating Thanksgiving this Thursday. Would you please know that um, I am so thankful for you. As I celebrate Thanksgiving, and by the way, most of you who know me, you know that's my favorite holiday of the year. I love it. There's no crass commercialism. It's just Thanksgiving. It's just so biblical. It's just give thanks for what you got. Amen? And as I, as I look around and get ready for this week ahead, um, I'm looking forward to a break. Amen? Who's looking for a break? Oh, Lord, help us. We, I, I've, been going, I've been going way too hard, um, not, not observing Sabbath as I should the last couple of weeks. And so uh, I confess that and want to get back on that. Um, but I'm looking forward to a break. But as I think about that and as I've been mentally getting ready for that, I'm so thankful for my wife. I'm so thankful for my five kids. I'm so thankful for my God. And I'm so thankful for you. Like those are my top thanksgivings. And so uh, I'm honored to, to get to know you and serve you and love you and be your pastor. And I just thank God for you this day. Okay, so we're in a series called Shift. We're in a series, and, and I've been practicing that all week because I, I want to say shift the wrong way. I, I'm really working on that. So if I cut that short, just somebody yell at me. But I'm working hard. Um, and and this, is, uh, what I've, this is what I've come to believe and experience in my own life. And this is why, by the way, I uh, named the series Shift. And I see some of you taking out your teaching notes. Way to go. Grab those teaching notes, man. Tear them off at all of our campuses. Grab that pen in front of you. But the reason I called the series Shift is because what I have discovered in 24 years of following Christ is that maturity in the Christian life really is all about making a series of shifts Along the way, on this continuum, on this spiritual journey, one shift after another shift after another shift, so that in time, we actually become more and more and more like Jesus. This is why, by the way, some people that you know accept Christ and they never grow. 
They never, they never get more and more like, have you ever accepted, have you ever met someone who's accepted Christ? They've been a Christian for a long time and you thought, why don't you act like it? Huh? Yeah. It's like, you know, Jesus, well, he is not making a difference in your life. You know what I mean? And, and the reason that is the case is because some people come to faith in Christ. They accept salvation. They accept forgiveness of their sins, but they never make a series of shifts They never yield and surrender more and more to the Lordship of Christ and become more and more like Him. Beloved, I hope you know that as you grow in Christ, if you were just to chart your life out, hopefully you know that as you grow in Christ, you're actually supposed to be moving more and more and more up and to the right, if you will, for you business people. Up and to the right, but it's not toward the profit line. It's toward becoming more and more like Jesus. Can I get an amen? That's what the Christian life is all about. Yes, God loves you right where you are. But he loves you way too much to leave you there. And so shift is all about that. And last week we talked about shifting from me to we. It was a great day at all of our campuses. This morning or this afternoon, like I said, depending on what time you're watching this, today we're actually going to look at a key area in our lives in which if we don't make a shift, We won't ever actually transition from being a fan of Jesus to being a follower of Jesus. And they are very, very different. And some of you have already picked up on the theme. If you watch that video closely before the message, you've picked up on the reality that the theme for the day is the notion of shifting in our finances. Shifting. Shifting from, if I can put it all in one big sentence for you, shifting from being a consumer to being a steward. From being what? A consumer to being a what? Steward. We're talking about finances today. And I will probably pray in just a little bit so that when everybody's eyes are closed, if you want to kind of get up and slip on out of the door, you can. Because I know it's that subject that kind of makes some people feel a little awkward. I'm reminded of the mother who uh, gave her daughter a dollar and a quarter. Dollar and a quarter. To, on her way to church, gave the daughter the dollar and the quarter and said, Hey, I'm not going to tell you which one to put in the offering, but when we receive the offering in church later today, you put whatever one you want into the offering. On the way home, the mother asked her, Hey, which one did you put in there? She said, Well, Mama, I was going to put the dollar in there. But the guy up there in the pulpit said that God loves a cheerful giver. And I decided I would be a lot more cheerful if I put the quarter in. (laughs) Some of us can relate, right? You like that one. You're really going to love this one. Yeah, There's this guy who made a bunch of money. I mean, he was one of those who erroneously believed that he pulled himself up by his own bootstraps. You know, these kind, they think, you know, they're rough, tough. I bought it. I did it on my own. I made it. Nobody helped me. Well, that's a lie, buddy. Somebody has helped you along the way. I promise you. Anyway, I, I digress. And he was one of those. And so he, But he made it. I mean, he, he made it. This was a well-off Dude, and he got sick like all of us. I mean, hey, we're going to die. One day we're going to die, okay? And so if you want a subject other than money, I'll talk about that today. Hey, you're going to die. Get you some of that. Last time I checked the stats, you're going to die. One day, beloved, they are going to put you in the ground, and they're going to go back to your house and eat potato salad. (laughs) Have a great day. Peace. Um, where in the world was I? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he made it, man. He was rich and he got sick and he was, it, it, was, it was obvious. His day was coming. And so he pulled his wife aside in his deathbed upstairs, if you will, and he said, honey, I've worked my butt off all my life. It's my money. I made it on my own and I need you to promise me that you're going to put all my money in the casket with me when I die. 
the nerve, right? And so sure enough, he died. And there was the funeral and the service in the church and all that. And in the middle of the service, the, 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 the wife got up. The widow got up and she made her way to the casket. And she put a, a, um, a box in the casket. They were back at the house later eating some of that potato salad, if you know me. And her friend came up and said, I know you didn't actually do what that old goat wanted you to do. I know you didn't put all that money in the casket. She said, I had to. I promised him I would. She said, come on, really? She said, yeah, I wrote him a check. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> oh, the second wave of laughter, they just got it. So we're talking about finances today. Here's a key, key sentence that will direct where we are going today. Here we go. One of the most critical shifts that occur in the life of a believer, one who matures in his or her faith and moves from being a fan of Jesus to being a follower of Jesus. Let me just pause there. You know there's a difference, right? The church is full of Jesus fans. Maybe you're a fan Jesus doesn't call fair-weathered fans. He calls followers. Take up your cross and what? Follow me. So moves from being a fan of Jesus to being a follower of Jesus is this shift, here it is, from being a consumer to being a steward. Fans are often consumers. Followers are stewards when it comes to the area of finances. How many of you know the name Joey Chestnut? Joey Chestnut? Joey Chestnut. Joey Chestnut is that dude you see every 4th of July on television at Coney Island for the, for the infamous hot dog eating contest. Here's Joey Chestnut. Here's Joey Chestnut. Face look familiar? The dude didn't grow up dreaming of hitting home runs or making a, a, a successful career in business or whatever. This dude is the one who grew up dreaming of eating mass amounts of hot dogs in 12 minutes. He broke the record when he ate 50 hot, here are the, here are the 50, 50 stinking hot dogs. Now, can I just confess to you that when I see him on television on the 4th of July, it usually the kids and I are in the family room and we watch this and we're disgusted. Like, guys, I probably won't eat 50 hot dogs in my entire life. This dude eats 50 in 12 minutes. And we watch it and we're like, oh, that's sickening. That's disgusting. Ugh, we're laughing. But I never can turn the channel. <laughs> I, it's just, I just can't do it. Well, we, he, he reigns supreme until this guy by the name of Takiro Kabayashi, better known as Tsunami, he started coming through the ranks, and this Japanese tsunami came through and laid it on Joey Chestnut. Here's, here's the tsunami. Y'all know this guy probably. Probably you've, you've seen pictures of him. Okay? He, he came through, and he knocked Joey Chestnut off the throne. But Joey Chestnut would not have it. And so he started training. How do you train? <laughs> like, like, how do you do that? Well, I did a little research. You actually can train to, 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 to make your, um, your, your gullet and everything else work. You drink a lot of milk. You take protein shakes and all kinds of other supplements to increase the elasticity of your innards, if you will. I mean, this is the Super Bowl of digestion. These folks become, I mean, they're weapons of mass digestion, if you will. Every 4th of July. And so Joey goes to work and trains and trains and trains. And in 2006, he actually beats the tsunami... 
and eats 53 hot dogs in 12 minutes. And then, I checked the last record, the last record, he now is at 66 hot dogs in 12 minutes. Unbelievable. Now, if you feel sorry for the tsunami, who was at the top of his game, but he has lost, don't feel sorry for him. He now owns the record for eating the most brats, the most rice balls, the most lobster rolls, and cow brains. Oh, yeah. I will save you that illustration because I love you. We will move on. But, but, but leave it to the Americans to turn eating into a spectator sport. I mean, guys, we are consumers. And we would do well on the front end of this message to actually admit it. I mean, guys, we, me, I'm not throwing stones at you today. I am a consumer. You are a consumer. In fact, let's just have a mass confession Repeat after me. I am a consumer. Now repeat after me. I am a recovering consumer. Like I hope and pray that by the time you end today, you will actually start to understand this in a, in a more profound, deep way in the, in the inside of your soul and your mind and your spirit. Because the reality is this is in the water we drink. This is in the air we breathe. We are consumers but mature believers don't remain consumers mature believers actually learn to make a series of shifts in their life where the white knuckle approach of life shift 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 and the and the consumer becomes a giver a steward the fan becomes the follower. This is key. So I want to ask you some questions, some probing questions that will put a little tension up in the room. And I'm okay with tension. How about you? Here's some questions. I'm, I'm going to pause intentionally after each one so that you can just marinate in them. Do I see other people's stuff and become critical or bored with my own? Just think about that for a moment. Do I see other people's stuff and become critical or bored with my own? Do I shop <laughs> for recreation? Come on, ladies. Come on, ladies. But hey, come on, guys, we can't get puffed up in our pride and think we don't do a little bit of it, too. We might not shop as much as they do, but studies have shown our toys are far more expensive. That She said, that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> do I buy compulsively without thinking first of my budget or my need? Mm. Am I an impulsive buyer? Is my circle of need getting bigger, such as cell phones, iPods, or iPads, or houses, more and more houses, or more and more cars? Do I complain a lot about how much I make, such as my salary, 
or benefits or tips? Do I feel self-conscious when I'm around rich people? Do I give less than God's 10% tithe of my income to the ministry of the church? And my last and favorite one, am I getting annoyed right now because Pastor Benji is bringing up the topic of money? (laughs) Oh, Lord. Say, beloved, don't get annoyed with me. I'm not throwing stones, number one. I'm not going to guilt trip you or manipulate you today, number two. Number three, I'm right in the same boat with you. I've cut my teeth on crass commercialism and consumerism. And number four, most importantly, I don't write the mail. I just deliver it. Like if you've got a problem today, if you're annoyed, listen, don't take that out on me. I just told you I love you and I thank God for you. <laughs> Hopefully you, you love me just a little bit. Um, but, but, but listen, don't, don't, don't get mad at me. You've got to take this up with Scripture. Some of, you, some of you might not read the Bible that much, and you might be new to the faith. And if you're not a believer, see, here's what's cool about those of you who are here, and you're not a believer. Like, you can just kind of cross your arms and say, <laughs> I get a buy today. I don't believe that stuff. Right, 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 right. But if you're a believer, and you believe this book is the, is the Word of God, then you've got to wrestle with this one. You see, beloved, 16 of Jesus' 38 parables were about money and possessions. 16. Jesus spoke more about money than any other subject in the Bible other than the kingdom of God. The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, fewer than 500 verses on faith, but more than 2,350 verses on money and possessions. Now, now why? 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 Here's why. Jesus knew that we would have this proclivity For being consumers. Jesus in all of his sovereignty and knowledge knew that we would live now. Knew that everybody would have this tendency to be consumers instead of stewards. He knew it was the case back then. He knew it was the case today. And he knew it will be the case when your kids and grandkids grow up. We are consumers. And Jesus kept hounding this one and kept teaching this one over and over and over again because Jesus knew if he can ever get a hold of someone's finances, he will have a fully devoted follower on his hands. Jesus knew, Jesus taught, as we grow in him, you'll see this on the screens, and and if it's not in your teaching notes, write it down. As we grow in Christ, we will automatically journey from being a what, church? A what? To a... Ready for the word? (laughs) You ready for the word? Okay, okay. Not quite sure there, I guess. Matthew 25. Matthew 25. Hopefully bring your Bibles to church. Bring the word with you if you can. If not, we we sometimes put it on the screens. I feel led to have a stand for this one. Let's stand in honor of God's word. All of our campuses, let's stand together as the body of Christ. Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. 
You ready for the word? Say amen. amen. That's the church. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave, now the older translations would say talents, and I still like that translation. My favorite translation, I get asked this question a lot, what translation do you like? The NIV, the New International Version, I believe it is one of the best, most faithful, reliable translations of the original language. Where even the new NIV actually has changed the word talent to gold, bags of gold. So we'll go with that. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag. Each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gathered five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Verse 19. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Verse 22. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he replied, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come. And share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown. And I gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. So that when I returned. I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him. And give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more. And they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of God for you, new hope, the people of God. Let's pray together. Father, take our minds and think through them. Thank you for your word that speaks and challenges. Take our hearts and fill with them today. Break our hearts, God. Transform us. Take my lips, Lord God, and speak through them today. For if you do not speak, 
then absolutely nothing of any significance will have been spoken. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So as we talk about shifts from being a consumer to a steward, there's actually a series of mini shifts that I want to actually talk to you about today. And this is where I'm going in my remaining time. Again, take notes, fill in the outline in your teaching notes. But here we go. If you're going to transition and shift from being a consumer to being a steward, you've got to shift from being, and it's going to be bad news for some of you, from being spenders to being savers. From being what, church? To being what? You got to actually learn to shift how you handle your money. We live in a day and age and a culture where people just spend. They spend recklessly. I see this all the time. People get into debt. They're up to their eyeballs in debt. They've never been taught how to budget. And if you're ever going to transition from being a consumer to being a steward, you've got to figure this one out. Like, you, you, some of you see that and you think, but isn't that like counter to the text you just read? The, first, the dude who just got one bag of gold, one talent, wasn't he a saver? He buried it in the ground and Jesus called him a worthless, wicked servant. Wasn't he? No, 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 no. He was hoarding. There's a difference between hoarding and saving. And many of us in this day and age, we've never been taught how to actually save our Money And the thing, the thing about saving our resources, when you get to be a good saver, the beautiful thing about this is then you have margin in your life financially and you're able to do great things with your resources for God. You're able to get behind the ministries of the church and support the church and be faithful with the biblical tithe. You're able to have margin so that when other things come along, and Amy Lynn and I love to, to participate in other things that come along, or missionaries that write us from other churches and those kind of things, and you can stroke that check because you've learned to save and you've got some extra. It's, it's, it's incredibly beautiful and freeing as a way to live. Listen, guys, this means that we'll actually, actually learn to cut coupons sometimes. Some of you do that. Way to go. This, this, is, this is the person who actually works to try to fix things on their own without always paying for them to be fixed. This is the person who learns to, to use things for long periods of time instead of recklessly and impulsively just spending every new shiny gadget toy vehicle that comes along. We just spin and spin and spin. This is learning to want what you have so you always have what you want. This this is the lost art of contentment. Learning to be content with what you have. This, is, this means learning to carry less cash. Come on. And using your credit card less. And only using your credit card when you know you can afford the item that you're thinking about putting on the credit card. Are we tracking? Are we, are we tracking? You're like, what you know what I'm talking me about how to spend my money? Okay, okay, okay. I'm just trying to help you. I'm just trying to help you. It breaks my heart when I see so many people come to the church these days and they're in debt. 
they, they, they're, they're, they're stressed out. Listen, God does not want you to be in bondage financially. God wants you to have financial freedom. And when you start understanding this principle, this means, follow me here, and this is a little deeper, and it might take you a moment to kind of think it through and figure it out. But this means that you'll often find yourself not buying things that you actually have the money to buy. A major shift in this whole coming uh, a steward instead of consumer is that I shift from being a spender to being a saver. Pastor Steve Deneff put it like this. When you live contently, you lift up your fishes and loaves, your meager existence before a generous God, and you say, this is enough. Some of, you, some of you, I've told, I've shared this with some of you before. I've, I've, I've received multiple comments from New Hopers when they actually see the minivan that we drive. Like, we think it's okay. We think it still looks good. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's 14 years old, and it's got 200,000 miles on it. And, like, it still runs good. And, and now, I think some of you have talked to my kids, or maybe they're just doing this on their own. Now my kids are hounding us. When are you going to get a new car? Like, we actually, we're... We're perfectly fine. My wife is definitely, she loves it. She doesn't want to sell. We're perfectly fine with a 14-year-old vehicle and 200,000 miles. It runs fine. Why do we need to get caught up in having to go buy the newest thing? Some of you know I have a Harley Davidson. My Harley Davidson is 16 years old. Like, we don't have to have new things all the time. You don't have to have the newest, brightest, shiniest, this or that. You can actually save. And as you save, you then have money to go out and buy things when, when you really need them. When it gets on its lap. I mean, there will come a day, and it might be sooner than I think, when the old van's going to kick the bucket. Well, hopefully we will have saved by then so that we can just imagine this. Buy the van or you buy what you need without going in debt and paying somebody else a bunch of interest. Are we tracking? Jesus doesn't want you to be slave to the borrower. That's a verse in Proverbs, by the way. Here's, here's the second one, equally as important, unbelievably as important. Because if, if you just stay a saver, that's not what I'm saying. This is the first shift. But then you shift from being savers to being what, church? From being savers to being what, church? Come on. Givers. You actually get to experience the beautiful life of giving things away. The beautiful life of blessing other people. So that when things come along, you actually learn the joy, the art of being a giver. John Wesley. Y'all know I'm a big John Wesley fan. John Wesley, that 18th century parish pastor, revolutionary radical guy in the Church of England. He actually said this, and it brings these two together. He said, earn all you can. Save all you can in order to give all. Isn't that a great quote? Isn't that a great quote? It brings these two together. There's nothing wrong with earning money. FYI, there's nothing wrong with earning a lot of money. Earn it, earn it, earn it. You should. It's great. Get an education. Do good. Be successful. There's a, there's a small group of society now trying to come down on those people who earn a lot of money. There's nothing wrong with earning a lot of money. Earn it, Wesley says. Save it. And then what? Give it. It's, it's the most beautiful way in which to live your life. 
One of the reasons I love Halloween, by the way, I love Halloween because I can teach my kids this principle. I teach them throughout the year, but I really like Halloween because on Halloween, we take our kids uh, trick-or-treating. Yes, we do that. We don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, we take our kids trick-or-treating. Halloween, by the way, belonged to the church before it belonged to the powers of darkness. Halloween used to be All Hallows' Eve or All Saints' Eve, so it was the holiday of the church. So we go, uh, we go trick-or-treating. We go over there in Southern Village. That's where we used to live. And um, in Southern Village, they had amazing... Um, Amazing subdivision for trick-or-treating. And we go trick-or-treating, and we love it, and we trick-or-treat. And then we go back to the house, and we get the kids to dump all their candy out on the table. And it's a beautiful thing because I get to teach them how to be a giver, (laughs) i.e., give me those Snickers (laughs) and give me those Reese's peanut butter cups in the name of Jesus. Hand them over, baby. (laughs) I took you. I drove you. I spent my time with you. Pay the piper, baby. Bring it on. You can keep your Milky Ways. You can keep your Kit Kats, all that other unhealthy junk. Give me the Snickers and the Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, baby, because those are next to godliness. Come on. <laughs> but we teach them. And it's, it's interesting because they don't want to give them. But they have to. And then depending upon how they give them, is also related to how I sneak into their bedrooms later (laughs) when they're sleeping and grab the Snickers. Giving, it is a beautiful thing. My daughter, Anna Grace, who is the apple of my eye, the cream in my coffee, if you will, she, um, she's, (laughs) she's uh, 15 years old. She just finished driver's education yesterday. God help us. She's still not driving for several more years, if I can help it. When Anna Grace, I don't really know how old she is. I told this story earlier, and I think I might have said she was a little bit younger than she was. You know, the years just kind of start bleeding together. But Anna Grace, when she was somewhere around probably two and a half to four years old, um, she's walking well by then, talking well by then. We used to do these daddy-daughter dates, and we still do. And, um, but and on this particular daddy-daughter date, um, we went to uh, K&W Cafeteria. Um, love me some K&W Cafeteria, right? And so we went there, and I remember it so vividly because she was just able to look above you know, the rail where you put your tray down. You walk down by K&W. Now, K&W is right there by Southern Season in Chapel Hill. And uh, so we went, and we walked down, and she picked this, and she picked that, and, we, and I picked my stuff. And then we got to the dessert section. And Anna Grace said, I want that. And she pointed right at this big, honking piece of lemon meringue pie. And uh, so I got it for her, and maybe I was trying to be good that day, and I didn't get myself a dessert. So we went, and we sat down. We ate our dinner together, and uh, she, she, she tried to eat the lemon meringue pie first, and I said no. So she, she gets her sweet tooth from me, so she ate the rest. But then she, it was time for dessert. Boy, she pulled that lemon meringue pie in front of her, and she started going at that thing, and I grabbed my fork, and I said... Hey, baby, can, can I have a piece of that lemon meringue pie? And my sweet little angel said, no! <laughs> not, not, seriously. And, and, and she put her arms around it and pulled that thing close to her. And I said, Anna Grace, I'm your dad. Give me a piece of the pie, baby. And she said again, no, it's mine. And I thought to myself, girl, I 
brought you that flipping lemon meringue pie. I drove you. I brought you into this world. And I could take you out. And, and then I had this thought. I thought, I remember like it was just that. I thought, you know, I could, because I looked back over there. I, there were lots of lemon meringue pies. And I thought to myself, I could go and buy 10 lemon meringue pies if I want to. But I don't want to, Anna Grace. I want you to share with me what your dad got you. No. And God spoke to my heart. That's how God is. God says to you, he says to me, I've given, I've given you everything. I have bought your life. I woke you up. I breathed into you the breath of life today. I have saved your soul. Again, if you're a believer, I have forgiven you of sin. I've written your name in the Lamb's book of life. I've come to give you purpose, meaning, and hope. I've come to bless your life. I've given you all these things, and all I want you to do is share some of it with me. A shift that takes us from being a consumer to being a steward means we actually shift from being savers to actually being givers. The word of the Lord says this in 1 Corinthians 16 too. Why don't we read it out loud together? Here's scripture. Let's go together out loud. Here we go. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. Let's continue. Saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Here the word of the Lord is teaching. Paul is teaching the church at Corinth the principle of tithing that goes all the way back in the Old Testament. It is percentage giving. We take as a believer in Christ, we figure out our income streams. We figure out the 10% tithe. We actually give that to the Lord and his purposes in the world. And as we save, by the way, that becomes easier and easier. And as we save, we then are able to have money to give offerings above and beyond that when these calls come along and Paul is saying hey here's how you do it save it up there's the save principle figure out the percentage of your income and give it to the work of the Lord and watch me bless your life and I think that's why e-giving gets bigger and bigger and bigger around this church e-giving is what so many people are doing now it's because people are able to go home they're able to do the math they're able to figure out what the apodicato that's the word what the tithe is Set it on an automatic giving where it gives automatically, where you never even have to worry about it. And we're on track now for one day e-giving, and it's probably going to be in the very near future. E-giving actually exceeds the amount of giving people do here on Sunday mornings. It is, it is unbelievably the most reliable and easiest way to get this principle right. We move from being savers to actually being givers. It was Winston Churchill who said this, we make a living by what we get. But we make a life by what we give. Giving. Here's, here's the third mini shift. Write this down. Write this down in your notes. <laughs> it is from sharing to blessing. So we shift from being a spender to being a saver. We, we learn to control the money. We don't let the money control us. Right? We learn to, to budget. We learn to handle our finances responsibly. We shift from being spenders, reckless spenders, to being savers. The next mini shift from this consumer to a steward is that we, we shift from being savers to faithful givers. But let me tell you something about this group. And some of you are in this group. This is the highest level of giving. This group 
are those who've learned how to move from sharing to blessing. This is, these are the happiest people on the planet, by the way. Have you ever seen a happy Scrooge? The most joy-filled, content, holy people in the world are those who have moved from sharing to blessing. See, the way you know if you're still wrapped up in being a consumer, listen, listen, is you're always trying to maneuver and position yourself to be the recipient of the gift or the blessing. The way you know you've become a steward, someone who likes to bless people, is you actually, you're maneuvering, angling yourself to always be the one who is giving blessing as opposed to receiving. This is the highest, most noble person in this discussion of financial stewardship. The question for you, the question for me today is, where do I actually fall into this? It is at this stage, this shift, that a person truly becomes generous. They truly move from white-knuckling everything in life to actually releasing it to the glory and honor of God. This is when our giving, listen church, passes through the lens of grace. This is when our giving becomes generosity. This is when grace expands our hearts and the amount of our giving. This is when you give, not because you feel a pastor up here pressuring you, and I hope you haven't felt like this is pressure today. But, but these are the people, they don't have to be pressured into giving. They don't have to be guilted into giving. These are the people who actually just look for opportunities to bless people with their possessions, with their finances. They don't, they don't give because of external pressures. They actually give because of internal whisperings of the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's why I'm so excited about our Christmas series. It's why I'm so excited about our Christmas series. It's called You Got Christmas. And it comes from the whole theme of the concept of punked. Some of you are like, oh, what is punked? Okay, the younger people here know what punked is. It came from the NTV movement, and hey, you don't need to know about it. It's okay. But punked. But others of you, maybe the ones that didn't get punked, you, you've seen the movie, and you've, you've heard of the groundswell movement called Pay It Forward. Right? So I think I just included everybody. Either you know about punked or you know about Pay It Forward. We're doing a series this Christmas called You Got Christmas to help us as a church understand this concept of blessing. So I want all of you to reach into your chair pocket. Reach into your chair pocket and grab that card that's there. It's the red and the green card. And it's You Got Christmas. Did everybody see that? Hold that up. I'd love to get 100% participation. Now, most of you just grabbed one, but listen, I want to give you permission to grab two or three. Don't grab more than that because we got a lot of services. But we're going to re be replenishing the chairs each week, and they're in the bathrooms, and they're in the rotunda. But here's the concept of You Got Christmas. Starting today, Renita, my assistant, and I, we Christmased somebody at the airport the other night. It was awesome. 
The lady was all happy and yelling in Starbucks. It was unbelievable. But here's the idea. Here's the idea. You're in a cafe and you buy a latte or a coffee or tea and somebody's standing behind you and you're like, hey, I want to get theirs. And you hand them a card. You got Christmased. Your neighbor's stressed out and fried, and you can tell, and they don't go to church, and they're just rough around the edges, and you actually notice that their car needs washing. You wash their car. You hand them a card. You got Christmased. A colleague at work, you know the one I'm talking about, the one who gets on your last nerve, and you're out enjoying you this nice lunch, and that spirit says, hey, psst, won't you buy them lunch? And you're like, God, what you talking about? And you, <laughs> you buy an extra. You take it back to the office. You hand them lunch. You hand them a card. You say, you got christmas And on this card, there's a website. We, we even got the domain. I can't believe it wasn't taken yet. We got the domain name, yougotchristmas.com. You can go there. There will be hundreds of ideas on what to do, how to Christmas people. There'll be a video there from me that I shot last week. And you give them this card, and, and they might go to the website. And there they'll find all kinds of ideas to spread the love. So Christmas is all about, church. When Jesus came 2,000 years ago, you got Christmas. Whether you like it or not. You got Christmas, his love, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness died on a cross for you, wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life, has blessed your life, and he wants you to share that. He wants you to be a blessing. And we're, we're just crazy enough to believe. We're just crazy enough to believe that this could start a groundswell movement throughout central North Carolina where people that we don't even know are Christmasing people that we don't even know that we might not even hear about on this side of eternity but that we as a church spread the love of Jesus Christ I'm telling you I love this series they go to this website or they, they look at it and they, they, we, didn't, we didn't even put our church name on there did you notice that we didn't even put our church name we put, we put the logo. Maybe they see that logo and they, something clicks and they're like, oh, that's New Hope Church. Maybe, who knows if they do, great if they don't. But maybe they're looking for hope and they show up here. We're just crazy enough to believe God's going to use this to transform lives all over central North Carolina. Generous people give and they bless others. They do not, they do not need clever gimmicks. Or slick brochures. Generous people make a pact with God. And they will be generous with their assets when God provides an opportunity. We're providing opportunities. The Bible says this in Luke 6.38. Let me be more specific than that. Jesus said this. Oh, let this verse settle in. Some of you are here and you've been doing a wrestling match with me all day internally. Let this verse settle in. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you.
Some of you have fallen into the consumeristic mindset and you think the way to be blessed is to hoard. Me, me. You white knuckle everything. And I just came by to let you know today that there is an alternative way. Jesus laid it out. Jesus said the way you get blessed is not, is not, is not hoarding and burying your stuff, thinking me, 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 always trying to position yourself to get on the receiving end of the blessing. No, no, no. Jesus said the way to get blessed is to actually give generously to support his purposes in the world through the church. And then to save so much that you got some excess to give and bless other things. And Jesus then says, when you do that, listen, shaken together, pressed over, your life is going to be running over with the blessings of God. I have found it to be so true in my life. And I pray, I pray, I pray that it'll be true in your life. Father, thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your word that shapes us and changes us and transforms us. God, thank you for the shifts that we have to make. God, I thank you for every single person here today, every single person at all of our campuses. God, there's a spirit of conviction and tension falling over this place. God, I thank you for that. I want for my brothers and sisters. I want for this church, God, that it would be a, a people, a movement of generous givers. And that as a result of that, God, you will keep blessing this church. God, I believe one of the reasons we have found ourselves in the fountain of your favor for 10 years now, one of the reasons we're able to stand here today is because out here within the sound of my voice are thousands of generous people who've been so faithful with their finances they, they couldn't imagine giving anything less than the biblical tithe. God, help us keep reaching people in a consumer-driven society, but please, Lord, never let us stay there. Press on us, God. Put us on the anvil of your transformation. Pry open our fingers. In fact, maybe you're here today and with all heads bowed and eyes closed. Maybe you're here today and you would respond to this word from God. And you would say, you know what? It's, it's time for me to open up my hands more. And maybe you would have the courage to write before God, not before one another, but before God Almighty, again, with all eyes closed and heads bowed, you'd just open up your hands in your lap. you just open them up. Just, just, just hold them open. Maybe you're here and you don't want to do that and you're not going to do that. And we're, hey, we're still glad you're here. But at all of our campuses, I wonder if we could just have a moment here of, of application to open up our hands and say, God, here are my hands. 
take my resources. Take my heart. Take my life. I do not want to be a consumer. I want to be a steward of all that you have given me. So God, I'm going to open my hands as a symbolic response that everything that I have, everything that I have, everything that I make, everything that I will have and will make in the future, I want you to know, Lord God, that I know it belongs to you. So use it. I freely give it to you. I freely give you my tithe. But Lord, this is so much bigger than my tithe. I freely acknowledge that everything, 100% of what I have, belongs to you. I want to be a steward of it. I want to use it well. I want to use it to bless others. I want to use it to bless family. I want to use it to bless my own life. I want to use it as a blessing. And I ask that you would press it down, shake it, and overflow it in my life. God, give us an awakening. Awaken us. Even as we get ready to sing that, awaken us to this truth, to your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you have any prayer requests, please send those to prayers at newhopenc.org and our pastors and staff will stand with you in prayer. We hope you will join us next week. God bless and thank you for being part of our church family.